Shame the Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's uh, community theater production of Zardos. A Game of Thrones, my name is Doug, with me as always is Brian. And Brian, have you ever seen the movie Zardos? No, but I have seen uh, photos of Burt Reynolds from it, and I've also seen a dog dressed in the same outfit, and it's very funny. <laughs> That's pretty impressive since Sean Connery was in the movie, but you know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Burt oh, Reynolds you got me funky. good. <laughs> For those of you guys who uh, want to know who Burt Reynolds is or Sean Connery, just, uh, you know, Wikipedia, maybe. Uh, but, uh, you know, we were recording this, I guess, uh, just a couple days after the events of the uh, Charlottesville. Um, uh, I guess hate rally and the subsequent uh, tragedy that took place there. And I feel as a nation, we're ready to heal by watching a show produced by Dave and Dan um, called the Confederate in which in an alt history world, the South has won the civil war. I think we're ready. Well, you know, I, I don't, have you ever listened to Mike Pesca? Uh, I have no idea who that is. That's some guy okay. who talks about fish. No, he's a NPR, uh, or formerly of NPR. He hosts a uh, PRI regular show called uh, "Crap." What is it? It's a, a daily podcast that focuses around news, and uh, it's pretty darn good. It's called uh, "The Gist" with Mike Pesca, and he actually dove into that whole thing a little bit further. Apparently, two of the more of the other people who are involved in are African Americans who are supreme uh, or very good uh, writers. You're going to say so, supreme. Or supremacist. Uh, yeah, of. I don't know why that was a bad, bad <laughs> word choice, but so it's not just a couple of uh, a couple of goofy white dudes doing it. Apparently, there was more to it than just that. But of hey, course, yeah, I'm all about it. Just get rid of Dan and Dave, and then I'm yeah. sure we can maybe we can we can discuss it. All right, guys. Uh, but in uh, I guess semi lighter news, we'll talk about this episode, which is called East Watch. It is season seven, episode five. Uh, it's a weird one. I gotta say, there's so much fucking weird bullshit that happens, but I kind of had fun, so I don't know how to feel about this episode. What are your opinions? I'm kind of of the same mind. Uh, I, I I really don't know what to think with what they're doing with a lot of these characters now. Uh, I mean, I, it was interesting. It was definitely watchable, but uh, I don't like some of the choices, and uh, it, it just they're hurtling so fast now. Uh, it just, I'm kind of losing a uh, suspension of disbelief at this point, just going, oh, what is this shit? You know? Uh, it, for me, it's kind of the exact opposite. Like, I'm really? losing all frame of reference. I don't even think of this as, like, having anything to do with the original series anymore. Like, I know it's been leading that way um, since the show has uh, eclipsed the books, but now it's just some kind of, like, crazy uh, fever dream. I guess it is like Zardoz. Um, where I'm just going along and like, whatever, I guess it's fine. Like, like Gendry, we, we are introduced to Gendry, spoiler alert, you know, they meet him, they come back to Dragonstone, they traverse all the way to Eastwatch. That guy just traveled like a thousand, thousands of miles or whatever, just in that, as the span of, I don't know, 30 minutes. Um, we'll get into all the other like bullshit, weird things, but at the same time, it's kind of fun. Like, Gendry was charming, so I didn't care that he just joined the show very quickly and has fallen into place and everybody likes him. Uh, the weird thing at the end with the the people in the jail cells, um, it was stupid, weird, contrived, but at the same time, I know what it's leading to and I kind of like where it's going, so I'm willing to like excuse it. I don't know. Fair enough. All right, so uh, let's jump right in, I guess. Uh, I'd never like talking about the opening credits, but... Uh, there was a new one. We had Eastwatch, 
in the opening. And I wonder why they took the time to like come up with a whole new opening animatic just for Eastwatch. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think people, most show watchers would probably realize where Eastwatch is. So maybe they were just trying to explain that further. I guess, but there's been, I don't know. there's been several other locations I wish they would have like animated and shown, but uh, sure. Whatever. And I don't know what the motivation of that is or who's in charge of that. Or I, I don't know. The only explanation that I've, I've, that I could come up with or that I've heard is that just try to relay the geography of it because Eastwatch is not a familiar place to us. Yeah. And when uh, we see it again, when John lands there, I guess we see it from afar and we see like the weird, like zigzag ladder. Uh, or stairs that are built into the wall that that actually exists in Castle Black in the the book, but I guess when I saw it, I was just like, okay, we're at Eastwatch. I know that because I saw it in the opening credits. So mm-hmm. I guess it's effective. Um, yeah, but it's just interesting that they chose to blow their I guess production uh, budget on that. I don't know how much it costs, but they don't. They seem to not do it for everywhere. So it's just interesting. Okay, uh, on with the show. The show opens with a whole bunch of fucking bullshit. So. <laughs> I wish I could go further, but I have to just stop here and just acknowledge that everybody and their mother uh, talked about how crazy and stupid it was that uh, Jamie is just riding his horse along next to a, in the shallows of a lake, didn't look like it was rushing water, and Bronn saves his ass, they jump right into the water and fall for what appears to be 20 or 30 feet. And both men are kind of stunned, so the fact that there's a deep lake right there is absurd. But here the show opens with them just like bursting from water, like miles downstream. I don't know. Yeah, what the f- <laughs> yeah, in the most placid lake possible. Unbelievable. Yeah. This is just unbelievable and just beyond uh, belief. It's just one of these things where like, why? Like, if yeah. and if they were gonna set this up, they should have had like a rushing river, you know, or talked about the undertow. Like, all it would take is like, hey, we had some guys getting close to the river. Uh, Charlie could have said that shit. Uh, don't go too far out. They get swept out in the undertow. And even yep. if the lake was plastic, just one line of dialogue, guys. That's all we fucking need. Yeah, so, that was a hell of a swim. Yeah, so, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all we needed. Bronze, like, I've never held my he- my breath for that long. <laughs> yeah. God. Anything. Just acknowledge how fucking crazy it is. Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, and D- Danny wouldn't hunt him down. I yeah. Mean, he was right there, like, what? Or God. or, or uh, fucking uh, his brother Boiled who saw water. him charge. Like his brother's yeah. gonna want to bury the body. He's gonna be like, "Oh my fucking my brother! He just went. He's either burnt to his crisp at the bottom of the lake, or he drowned. Either way, he probably needs a good burial. Let's uh, go get it, get the body." Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense on any level. Okay, so let's begin in earnest. So Bron and Jamie, uh, you know, pop up from the lake. Uh, a layer of smoke and debris, I guess, shields them from the battle. Whatever. Um. Braun chastised Jamie for being a reckless, crazy asshole by charging Danny. Jamie said he was trying to end the war. Uh, Braun's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm out of here. I, I'm not going to be around King's Landing when the dragons come. This is bullshit. This is where our agreement ends. Uh, and that's basically it. Jamie says he's got to give Cersei the bad news, and Braun says, good luck with that shit. Uh, might as well jump back into that river. So I guess he's alluding that uh, Cersei's not going to be pleased with the news. So, uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about this scene other than it set all started the thing off with a bad tone because it realized some of our worst fears about what happened in the prior episode. And also, I don't know about you, but I I used to enjoy Braun quite a bit, but I think he's gotten a little bit tiresome to me at this point. I think so too. I think, yeah, well, I think that he, he, 
he works better in a team, uh, especially with Tyrion, would keep things light-hearted and, like, you know, Bronn was kind of a lovable scoundrel. But Jamie has really no personality to play off of. Jamie's kind of like a, you know, a sad sack. Yeah. So yeah, I think I it's showing the flaws in Braun. I, I imagine, like, you know, wasn't Braun in a pop, like, duo in Britain? Yes, he was. Yeah. I, I imagine it's, <laughs> I guarantee you, Braun went solo, and I imagine it's it's working out just like it is on the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not much uh, sad besides my first note was, fuck this show. That's... Yeah, my first note was unfathomably stupid. <laughs> Great. So next uh, we go to Tyrion surveying the battlefield while the Dothraki plunder. The Dothraki are also herding the survivors to a hill with a dragon atop it. Danny appears and plays her recorded speech about how she was nice, Cersei's mean, and wheel, 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 wheel. Asks the survivors to bend the knee or bite it. Some kneel, then Drogon screams and some more bend the knee. Danny then sees uh, Randy and Dickon and tells, uh, gives them the ultimatum. Tyrion also tries to convince Randy to join the the cause, um, but uh, Randy's too hung up on the on xenophobia as well as the Jamie or uh, the Tyrion being a kinslayer. Tyrion then uh, proposes to send Randy to the Black, but Randy says no way. Rickon then steps up and also refuses to bend the knee despite being the future of his house. Danny then says the word, uh, sentencing them to death, and they are both roasted. Meanwhile, everyone else remaining bends the knee for Danny. I like the scene a lot. Um, I like how Drogon was almost a character in the um, in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had that roar where some men, you know, a couple of them kneel, and then <laughs> Drogon says, "Just kneel, motherfuckers," and they all go okay, and then a lot more kneel. I like that a lot. And there was one moment where like Danny's just talking, and like Drogon's like tail. Just brushes past some like bushes in the background. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that was about, but I thought that really helped uh, make it seem like Drogon was actually there. Um, I, I didn't really, know, I didn't notice that. Oh yeah, go back and watch on the second uh, second time. Like the bushes brush, and you just see his tail. Just uh, he's not even in the scene; it's just his tail. Um, so mm-hmm. just that little like detail, I really appreciated. Um, so Dickon's a fucking idiot, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, but I, to, I, to be fair, I don't think that um, that he was actually the last of the house. I mean, the, there's still there's still the daughter there as well. Uh, but yeah, Dickon is an idiot. Um, yeah, and Sam's already all. got the sword, so as long as he gets booted from the Night's Watch with in good standing, maybe. Some well, no, I don't of... think you get booted. I think you you are you're killed if you abandon the Night's Watch. I mean, John got out of it. He was killed, quote unquote. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but I, this scene, what was distracting to me was Tyrion um, just being so worried about Danny killing these guys. I, I didn't really understand yeah. that necessarily. I felt uh, I, I wrote this too. It, it it didn't seem. It seems like they're trying to set her up as like the Mad Queen, but this seemed a pretty dispassionate, calculated, pragmatic act. It didn't seem like she was doing this because she likes to burn people or anything. Yeah, she offered them terms, and they refused the terms. I mean, she also there also would be a basis for them to follow her because they, you know, the the uh, Lannisters did kill the Tyrells. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Randy just seems to be a hard ass to be a hard ass, um, which was stupid. And then Dickon is just stupid, just an idiot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Randall Charlie wanted to go out as like a bigotous messiah, I guess, uh, and that's fine. But like. 
you know, Tyrion even tries to throw him a line and says, maybe he can take the black. And he's like, you can't send me to the black. You're not my queen. Or you can't send me to Night's Watch. So, like, the guy's refusing a life raft. So the guy wants to die, basically. And if you don't kill him, you're going to look like, you're going to look weak to these people you're trying to impress and win over. Uh, right. So I, I really don't see the conflict at all. No, not at all. Especially when you think if there's a bit of a hypocrisy here, too. With the way that Randy treated Samwell and threatening to kill him, like he can't be too angry about Tyrion Kinslaying when he threatened to kill his own son because he was a wimp. Instead, made him go take the black. So, a little bit of hypocrisy there. When he mentioned taking the black, and and Randall said no, like right away, I thought he was like, my son was will outrank me there or something. <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> I can't go, I can't see my son again. I thought he yeah. was all about Sam for a second. Um, which this, and I don't know if we've discussed this, but this is in this world. It's tradition where a conquered uh, leader is allowed to take the black, and that's why you see some of these guys up there. Um, so it, it it does make sense. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's dishonorable. I think it's more dishonorable for him to just let himself be roasted instead of attempting to bring some good in the world by serving the black. I, so I, I don't know. And I, at the yeah. very least, he could do that. But for his son to needlessly sacrifice himself. It was just stupid, and there's and yeah. they didn't set up Dickon as being like, like this was a big choice for him because there wasn't really there was, it's just sacrifice for sacrifice sake. It really doesn't make any sense at all. No, no, it doesn't. If he had, so. if he had some kind of, I don't know, if he had some kind of thing about like, you know, I was scared, and at the moment, you know, I wondered what kind of man I would be. You know, if they had a discussion about dying righteously or something, I don't know. Just set this up a little bit more so that. I could identify with Dickon because on the outside looking in, he just looks like a fucking idiot who wants to die with his daddy. Hey, here's my impression. Daddy, hold my hand. Let's die. Ah, oh, fuck. I'm on fire. Yeah. And there was a lot of jokes online. Uh, Dick on fire. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's just stupid. It just, yeah, just stupid. So. Okay. All right. So next scene, Jamie arrives back at King's Landing, still dirty from uh, his battle. He goes in to see Cersei immediately. Um, she knows, I guess, bad news. He tells her that they got their ass kicked. Not sure exactly how many men they lost. Uh, Cersei says, no big deal. They got the Tyrell gold and they, I guess the Iron Bank loans, which they don't mention. But anyway, they're, she's convinced they can hire mercenaries. Jamie's like, hey, uh, the Dothraki are much better at us. They were just kind of fucking with us. Uh, so no matter what army you put up against, they're going to go down. And Cersei's like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? And uh, surrender or something? Uh, then for some reason she brings up Tyrion about like suing for peace and maybe Tyrion will speak on their behalf. And Jamie uses it as an opportunity to, I guess, deliver the final insult that the Queen of Thorns wanted Cersei to have. We talked about this. If Jamie doesn't say anything, the Queen of Thrones last like barb or whatever, uh, is nullified. But of course he mentions it, I guess, in like a naive ploy for his sister to trust uh, Tyrion, which I think will never happen. Anyway. Uh, you know, basically he tells her that the Queen of Thorns, he believes her after she took the poison, uh, confessed to it, and then Cersei's pissed at Jamie for letting her die by poison and not die screaming, which she should have done. Jamie's like, it doesn't matter, she's dead, her son's dead, or her daughter, granddaughter's dead, their whole family's dead, and we'll be dead too if we don't figure out what the fuck to do. And she's like, okay, so we're dead if we're surrender, or we're dead if we fight, I choose to fight. What do you choose? And she basically calls him a little bitch. Yeah, I, this God, this relationship between these two is just ridiculous. It keeps getting more and more ridiculous. Um, I, and just Danny or uh, Cersei's not 
she's not dealing with reality. Doesn't seem like um, she. I, I don't know how she thinks she's going to win, other than she is so isolated in her castle, uh, thinking that she might be able to win or pull something out of her sleeve. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's it. But she's also demonstrated through the course of the show to be one of the worst strate- strategic people in the show. But I guess now she all of a sudden has some grand design up her sleeve. Well, I, I mean, I you can say she orchestrated, who knows, the thing with Euron, which worked out like uh, yeah, Spades, or whether, I don't know if it was her or Jamie that came up with the idea of letting Cassidy Rock fall and taking um, uh, whatever it's called, High Garden. Um, maybe they're making her out to be a brilliant strategist for some reason she's turned it around at this point i guess yeah i think my biggest problem and i don't want to go on a doug rant about jamie because you know i've done it before oh yeah Uh, but i just want jamie to be a strong character he seems to be just like oh well just go along with whatever you say he doesn't seem to be putting his foot down or trying to even like give her ultimatums or try to reach her at all and then the the way the rest of this episode plays out i don't know if they're ever gonna set up his breaking from Cersei because it seems to be yeah, pretty weak sauce. I, I was going to raise point. that in the next Cersei and in, in, in yeah, John. We'll, we'll tease it. We'll talk about yeah. it at length then, I guess. Yeah. Yep. All right. So next we go to John and he's out pouting, presumably, uh, presumably pouting when Denny returns atop Drogon. Drogon approaches John and allows John to, to pet him. Uh, Denny can't believe her luck. He's a dream boat and he's good with kids. Uh, Danny then dismounts and discusses how nice. pretty her dragons are. Danny uh, continues to believe dragons as people. Uh, Danny then tells John she kicked butt, but John is not thrilled about all the killing. So Danny asks about him taking Winterfell and how many people he killed. Danny believes that she can only leave from a position of power. When suddenly Dothraki appear with Jorah in tow, uh, introductions are made, and Jorah tells Danny that he has healed up and asks if he can squat up with Danny, who says yes. They then hug, and uh, Jorah, no doubt, at least had half a chub. Yeah, don't you think um, Danny should have asked for it, or Jorah should have volunteered a look at that hand that he's been showing everybody? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She Am I right? Like every time, like yeah. he's walking around, like for the past two seasons, he just like he'll be by himself and he'll roll up his sleeve and look at his arm that's infected with Graysail. You know, he reaches it out to Sam to try to gra- grab him while he's at the Citadel. They show that arm like it's embodies his whole disease. Right. Well, it did at one point. But, yeah. You know, I, then it started to spread, yeah. All I'm saying is he could have just taken off a glove and said, hey, check it out. Mm-hmm. Or she could have been like, uh, before we hug, uh, can I just, can I get a look at the, the hand, the gross hand? But I guess he was, he was covered up, so it's not like, I don't know, maybe there's still some um, prejudices about how... Grayscale spread. Yeah, I don't so, know. I uh, think he should have said did something. You know what was weird to me is uh, Drogon apparently was perfectly fine after taking that bolt to the shoulder. No consequences whatsoever. Just flies right back. Yeah, and he's a I, happy dragon. Yeah, uh, wasn't I'm, happy about that. Yeah, and you could say he needed some time to recover, but at the same time, John's like, "You weren't gone very long," so you're like, "Well, fuck." It seemed yeah. like she went off for like a two day trip. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that also raises the whole point of instead of sending these clowns up north of the wall later in the episode, why doesn't you just fly the goddamn dragon up there quickly yeah. and then fly back? Drop them off. No There's sense. only a couple yeah. of them. Yeah, or just go if she goes up there and sees it and believes them. Because the, the, what they they set up this thing where uh, okay, let's gonna, let's not let's. Do you want to get into it now? Okay. The the plan. 
Well, no, what, yeah, well, what I wanted to raise is that she set up this thing where if she goes up above nor- north of the wall, then Cersei's going to take over all- what she's accomplished, but she hasn't accomplished anything. They're just on stupid Casterly Rock, and there's no reason – or not Casterly Rock. Where are they? Yeah, uh, Dragonstone. But, she, yeah, she does say something in the next scene where she's just yeah. like, I move out, Cersei will move in. I'm like, move in where? You just have this yeah. one rock. It's not like you took any – you haven't captured anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the point I was raising. Well, let's get. Uh, well, I want to go off yeah. on that fucking ridiculous plan, which is another reason why this show is just it's just like, huh? Um, but yeah, I I wrote like you said, uh, <laughs> he's good with kids. I wrote like him meeting Drogon was kind of like what happens when you go over a friend's house and they have a pit bull rescue and you didn't know about it. So you're like, oh, hey. And then you like reach your hand out and you're like, please don't bite my hand. Please don't bite my hand. Please don't bite my hand. <laughs> Oh no! You're stereotyping dog breeds. Until, oh, I'm get sorry. Look at me stereotyping uh, dogs that were raised and okay. Let's say an abused pit bull, or let's say an abused uh, I don't know Boston Terrier. That's just really <laughs> That's jittery okay. and it's growling at you. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay. does that work for you? Is this a perfect analogy? No, that I don't think I I've ever seen a Boston Terrier that was jittery. Maybe a Chihuahua. Those things are jittery as hell. Uh, all right, and then you're wearing you're wearing open toed shoes, so you're worried this guy this thing's gonna like bite your Achilles tendon. And I have a lot of bacon and kibbles and bits <laughs> in my pockets. All I'm saying is he's pretty. You know, if I was wearing a glove and I met a dog that was growling at me, I would take it off too and let him smell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this has been set up in the books where. Um, there's another guy called Brown Ben Plum. He's basically a mercenary in uh, Marine or Essos. And um, he meets one of the dragons and he gets along with him. And he's just like, well, yeah, I have Valerian blood. Uh, so it's kind of linked to that. So I guess this is kind of like re- referencing book canon that somehow the dragon knows that he's a Targaryen or a Valerian at the very least. So I think that's a little bit of a hint there. Yeah, this. I mean, this is just like the, the show laying it on thicker and thicker about how John um, is a Targaryen, uh, because we also know that this is only the third person who's kind of touched a dragon and lived to tell about it. Oh of course, yeah, the wasn't it big uh, Danny and Tyrion? Tyrion? Yeah, yeah. Tyrion pet, petted one of them a, a few seasons ago, so maybe we're back on the uh, the three dragon rider plan again. Uh, that would that what this scene would seem to indicate, but uh, who knows at this point? And uh, it's. People want so like everybody's thought about uh, once again the three heads of the dragon is not in the show but basically there's a prophecy saying the dragon list has three heads there's three dragons there must be three dragon riders and people presume that the, all three of those people have to be Targaryens mm-hmm. so we have Danny she's got Drogon and people have uh, guessed that uh, John would ride Rhaegal because that that was the green dragon and it was named after his father Rhaegar. Uh, and he would take that, and Tyrion is a secret Targaryen and would uh, ride Viserion, you know, named after her shitty little brother, or older mm-hmm. brother. Uh, but I think this kind of, I kind of think that since Jon is having this connection with Drogon, maybe Jon is going to ride Drogon once Danny's ass is dead in season no, eight. No, that'd sometime. be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little speculation, just rampant, uh, unfounded speculation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I didn't mind it. I thought it was, you know, it had to happen. And I like the weird shot where, like, she's looking down and she can't see what's happening because of Drogon's neck. Um, It seemed awkward and weird, but at the same time, it seemed like a level of realism that I kind of appreciated. 
It's like a weird shot. It's like, what's going on? She can't see what's going on. But as the audience, like, why do I need to be hidden from this? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually saw that. I remember that shot specifically. I was just disappointed that there's no consequences to Drogon being shot with that 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 bolt. Uh, yeah, that I agree because it nullifies. You're like, okay, well, Kyburn's whole thing. You know, when we saw the giant crossbow scorpion thing, whatever it was, we're thinking, okay, a dragon. They're setting this up. It's Chekhov's scorpion. A dragon's gonna die. One dragon at least. Right. Uh, but now that he can. It's so not only can the dragons get shot by these things, but they can survive with very minimal uh, consequences. What's the point? Yeah, it's the uh, with the, what are those crazy maniacs? The sons of the harpy did more damage, but I guess Drogon was a lot smaller at that point. Yeah, when like that happened two months ago, or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's see. Uh, so we go to Winterfell, and a shitload of ravens decide to up and leave Winterfell. Uh, their eyes go white, so does Bran, so we can uh, assume that Bran is remote control, controlling these drones uh, that are ravens. Anyway, he sends them over the wall past Eastwatch, so this is the first time we get to see Eastwatch, uh, and they come across, oh, the army of the dead, and I guess they're close to Eastwatch or marching towards it. Um, the ravens are surveilling the situation, and the Night King sees them, looks up, and uh, somehow some magic happens by his looking at the ravens. Uh, Bran loses control over his uh, raven uh, thralls, and he snaps out of his trance. He's back in the godswood of Winterfell, and the weird guy, the new maester, Walcam, is just probably going like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, anyway, Bran says, we need to send ravens, and then the scene ends. And I want to say, you just sent all the ravens over the wall, you dumb motherfucker. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool shot of the Army of the Dead, but I'm still baffled about the the, uh, the mechanics of the Dead Army because we've seen them now when the uh, in one of the previous episodes at Hardhome where they're the crazy fast undead, yeah. much like uh, yeah. But now now they can plot along; kinda, they're taking their time. Yeah, like the they're resting. What that doesn't make yeah. any sense. No, it really doesn't. So I I just don't know what to think about that. Well, remember when we did Hardhome the first time? I mentioned. Uh, uh, there's there's two kinds of zombies in in the zombie world. Uh, you can call oh, like, sure. well, there's probably several kinds. Like whether they're rage virus people, like in uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. But regardless, there's fast zombies and then there's slow zombies. And I prefer the slow zombies because they're like unrelenting, unstoppable. They don't have to chase you. the 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 fear is you can't stop them, and there's so many of them that it's just a it's oppressive doom that's just closing in on you. But yeah. but the show has chosen to do fast zombies, and you're wondering, you have to wonder, why the fuck are they like taking a stroll and they can run like crazy? It's not like they're gonna get tired. They're fucking yeah. dead. What like these weird? Uh, it's must. And, and guys, I imagine Sam shoes out there going, "This is just nerdy fucking shit. It's just a TV show. Calm down." I just want rules. I want consistency. You can have magic in a show. Just have fucking consistent rules to how that magic is implemented, and the show doesn't really care. It's just whatever's convenient. No, they they specifically said that they took uh, I forget the inspiration for it, but when they did the Hard Home episode, they took inspiration from some source. So, in other words, their desire to uh, mimic someone else's production overwhelmed the uh, desire to actually have consistency in the show, which was frustrating to me. Yeah, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Not much to say about this because besides Brand's finally doing something useful, I guess. 
Yeah. Debatable, but I guess. Yeah, so. I guess. Yeah. Like I said, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next we go to the Citadel and a bunch of basters are meeting, apparently regarding Brand's message. While Sam is in the background doing his chores, the Maesters are very skeptical. Then Sam realizes it's actually Bran Stark who sent the message. And he tells them he knows Bran and that Bran uh, survived behind the wall for several years. Uh, uh, Bran, Sam actually let Bran in or out or vice versa from the wall. Sam then uh, proposes that the Maesters tell everyone in the land to send their men to the wall. The headmaster says it's possible that there is an army of dead, but it's also more likely that uh, it's a play by the dragon lady to take to clear out these the, the entire countryside so that she can take over. Sam pleads, but the maesters just uh, say that they will ask for the maester Walken or Waken for more clarification. And they also reveal and then Sam exits and then the maesters also reveal that they know that Randy and Dickon are dead, but they haven't told Sam yet. So yeah, what pussies not telling Sam uh, that his dad and brother are dead, number one. Number two, I guess there was no reward in those fucking old shitty scrolls that Sam had to copy. They were just, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, what's we the speculated point? That, we speculated that they were informing him of everything to do with the White Walkers, and apparently not. Then what's the point? Why have him do anything? It doesn't make any sense. Like, why just... Why not say, hey, Sam... um, yeah, thanks for curing the first case of grayscale in centuries. Now go continue to clean up shit. They gave him another new task, and it had it came to nothing. Fuck this show, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. This was frustrating. I, I I didn't really understand. I mean, why why even have this? Why couldn't he just go and jack all, all the things he wants and leave? I mean, I don't even know what the point of this really was, other than that people are skeptical. So hey, we have to prove it. So. I guess maybe John's plan later in the show does have to go forward to prove it. I, I it's guess. also frustrating because the Meisters should be the ones that know that this kind of stuff happens. I mean, they can't just keep falling back on the wall was has lasted forever. Um, I mean, they should know that warging is possible. They should know that the about the army of the dead and how to defeat it. I mean, this is the repository of knowledge. I don't understand how they are kind of ignoring what should be in their records and just saying, no, it'll, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, and in light meta-wise, I think it's bad to portray any uh, anti-intellectualism as positive, <laughs> and that seems like yeah. what's happening here, and it's kind of frustrating. These people are being, uh, you know, portrayed as, you know, dumb college people that are in their ivory tower and out of touch with reality, so you know what? You don't need to read anything or go to school. Yeah, you know, just believe what you want. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a path I don't think we want to go down. No, so. but I just want to dip my toe into it because yeah. uh, you know it's it's frustrating. Yeah. All right. So we're next. Okay. So Tyrion is hanging out with Varys in the the Dragonstone throne room, and Var, uh, Tyrion is trying to rationalize uh, what went down with um, House Tarly uh, getting burned alive, and Varys isn't buying it. Um, uh, and he's appalled at what she did and relates how he used to rationalize what her father did when her father used to burn people alive. He said, well, I was uncovering traitors, but I wasn't the one actually burning the men, and it got worse, and he just kept telling himself it wasn't his fault. Um, then Varys comes right out and says, you need to bring that bitch to heel, in so many words. Uh, and then they talk about the scroll that uh, Bran said to John, uh, and 
you know, Bari says nothing good. This was kind of just another throwaway. Uh, you know, I yeah, don't know. Well, I have it. Re- really, what the point of the scene was? Danny's a mad queen, and you know these guys are both seeing it, whereas you and I aren't seeing it at all. Not not in this scenario. Yeah, but we also saw it earlier when Tyrion was reacting to her uh, passing the death sentence upon uh, Randy and Dickon. So yeah, I felt like I knew this already. I don't know. I guess to get Varys in there, I don't know. Yeah, but then, then they all agree to the plan later. So, I mean, they're trying to show that there's strife among her, her underlings, but they're also all on board together when they come up with a plan later. So, Yeah, you're, uh, it, it seems like they're planting seeds for maybe two or three episodes from now, next, next season. I don't know, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right, so uh, next, there's a transition to John receiving the news. He's meeting with all the... Um, uh, He's meeting with all, or he receives the news. So now he learns that Bran and uh, that Bran's alive, and also that Arya is alive. He's meeting with all of the men supporting Danny because her female allies are all dead. John is ready to uh, leave, but Danny won't let him uh, because uh, Danny will join him because she's Cer- afraid that Cersei will take over, as we just discussed a few moments ago. Tyrion then suggests uh, taking one knight to Cersei to show, or one white to Cersei to show her the truth. Very skeptical of the plan. Cersei won't listen, but maybe Jamie will listen to Tyrion. And they uh, then they wonder how will they get a white uh, Davos, or how will they get Jamie uh, Tyrion in to speak to Jamie? Davos believes he can do it because he's the smuggler. Jorah then offers to go get the white, and John volunteers to get some uh, some of the uh, white fodder together in the form of the Northmen. John is the only one who knows the free folk, of course. Danny then tells John he can't leave, so John then gives a speech about trusting strangers, even if it means the windowless van with the Hogwarts Express painted on the side looks a little bit suspicious. So, um, so uh, it's, uh, I love it when a plan comes together, I guess. All right, so let's just get it out of our system. Yeah. So here's the plan. They're going to go... So they have to convince Cersei... That the dead are coming back to life. Mm-hmm. But let's stop there. Let's say they actively convince her that the dead are coming back and they're going to wage war on the Seven Kingdoms. Just right there, I'm skeptical as to whether that would affect Cersei's actions. I don't think it would. And in fact, I she later so confirms either. that it won't. Yeah, she later confirms that it wouldn't, so... So what's the point here? Like, okay, so the the plan already off to a bad start, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so so they're gonna do it. So, uh, but Tyrion's like, maybe they'll listen to, maybe Jamie will listen to me. Okay, well, if Jamie listens to you, guess what? He's not in charge. So bad plan. Right. Uh, all right. So all right. Whatever. Let's move past that. So we're gonna go just grab a. A white, uh, undead guy. These guys don't hang out by themselves. It's not like there's lone dead guys just walking around. They move in herds, kind of like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. <laughs> they do move in herds. Uh, so you're going to have to deal with a lot of them, right? Well, yes. Well, I, yeah. That's the most baffling part to me. Like, they only ran into, like, single whites, like, John relates how they brought one south of the wall. That's because they just came upon him, and those things were kind of put there as like an ambush. 
You know what I mean? They were like intentionally put there. So mm-hmm. you can't count on that. You're going to have to like track a, a you know, a herd of zombies. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then later they don't even mention that they are fashioning all sorts of dragon glass weapons. You know, they've been mining dragon glass, but hey, they're going to, the, all these people are going to go up north looking for these <clears throat> zombies and do they have any dragon glass on them? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I guess we'll just find out because the show hasn't acknowledged that. <coughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. And then another thing. Jorah, who's been trying his hardest to get back to Danny, has been here all of five <laughs> minutes and he's like, time for me to go. Yeah. What? What? Well, to be fair, I think that is consistent with Jorah's character, where he tries to go above and beyond to impress Danny. He's like, will you love me now, mommy? Yeah. He also is kind of suicidal. Not suicidal, but I think he, uh, I mean, he he did have a death sentence, more or less, that he avoided. So maybe he is willing to give up his life to do the right thing. I don't know. (laughs) I'm making excuses. I mean. Uh, yeah, there's probably more wrong with this scene, but I just can't, uh, I can't get past just the, the fundamental plan just being awful. Yeah, I just cannot, I cannot understand how they think they would be able to just grab a white, they have so little intelligence other than that there's an army of the dead. Well, I mean, John's experience at firsthand, why would he think he would just be able to isolate and grab one white and get out of there? I don't, Right. and you, and you saw the coming scenes they're going to be overwhelmed. I mean, it's it just makes no sense. And you know, it makes so much more sense. Danny takes a quick jaunt up north with her three dragons, right? Hey. And just burns the entire goddamn army. Or Danny swoops down with one of her dragons, and oh, get that one. Not, no, that one's a little yeah. screening. Uh, just sweep down, and Drogon will just grab that guy. Right. Yep. And then Drogon easy, could easy. just grab one white, and that's it. But once again, even if this plan works, I a dead person could be next to Cersei in the in the throne room with her and she'll go yeah that's cute I got a dead person too he's called Sir Gregor he's gonna bash your fucking head in right I know like she knows the dead can live uh, at least in Sir Gregor or they haven't kind of acknowledged that I guess you know Sir Gregor didn't totally die in the show it's kind of uh, uh, kind of weird and not uh, spelled out for us but still Cersei I know her that well and I'm not her fucking brother so She's not going to bend the knee or surrender. <sighs> no, of course not. Frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yep. It okay. is also, it continues to be hilarious how uh, Danny now her entire war council is men. <laughs> After the D&D thought it was so progressive that they, <laughs> the prior war council was full of women. <laughs> yeah, they were progressive for a day. It was it was Mother's yeah. Day, I think, when they yeah. decided to we do a, this. We had a solid 30 minutes. All right, so uh, we head back to Winterfell. Um, people uh, are pissed that John is not coming back or isn't back yet, or maybe they found out he's going north of the Wall again. Basically, they're saying King of the North should be in the north, and Sansa's dealing with all this crap. Uh, all these people are complaining, but Sansa stands by John, says, hey, we have to trust him, and Arya watches this all. And the people uh, agree, but they grumble about it. Uh, later, Arya and Sansa are walking through Winterfell and they're chatting. Uh, Sansa's complaining about how hard Jon's making it to, for Sansa to do her job of ruling. 
Uh, Arya starts throwing shade at Sansa for not telling the Northerners to shut the fuck up when they started to complain about Jon. And Sansa's explaining that you just can't murder everybody and expect to, uh, you know, as a form of diplomacy, uh, you have to keep people together. And then Arya claims that uh, Sansa is making moves just in case Jon doesn't come back. Um, you know, obviously Sansa doesn't like the insinuation, and Arya's like, well, you're thinking about it regardless, just kind of getting her head for whatever reason, playing head games with her. Um, and then the discussion just ends abruptly, and they leave on kind of icy terms. Yeah, I don't. Boy, where the, why did they fall back into this antagonistic um, th- relationship? I, I don't. It's convenient for the plot. That's why. Too. That's it. Yeah, it is, but it doesn't seem realistic at all. I mean, I, this this was also frustrating because I'm just just talk, you dummies. I, I don't, yeah, this was frustrating to me. You're right. It's frustrating. It's out of nowhere. They didn't even plant the seed for this division here. It's just like she's. It all starts because people are complaining about John and Sansa didn't react tough enough. Yeah, that is pretty shaky ground for a division in the family. Uh, I don't know. It seems a little ridiculous. I agree. This 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 yeah, whole episode it, is plagued by ridiculous situations. It say I think Sansa <laughs> is planning to leave John in charge. I don't think she has any designs to take over for him, despite the flattery from all the people there. No, but if uh, she is trying to make alliances, if he doesn't come back, that's pragmatic. That is yes, that's no question. grown up. Yes. So I don't know if it stems from Arya's. Uh, innocence or not understanding how these things work or I, yeah just uh, this was silly and this is this one another one of the scenes that bothered me in this episode don't think it makes sense within the con within this universe so once again it's just convenient for the plot they have to get yes. they have to not get along in order for something to happen we're going to make them not get along out of nowhere Which, Fine. yeah this could be yeah, something to do little finger we're still not sure what it is yet so next Tyrion and davos arrive at king's landing uh Davos knows a secret area where the guards never patrol. Davos, uh, but he's not watching the boat. Apparently he has his own plan in Flea Bottom. We cut to Bronn leading Jamie through the catacombs, only to find Tyrion there. Tyrion attempts to compliment Jamie's battle strategy, which only upsets him. Tyrion then raises the point that their father was going to execute him despite knowing his innocence. Jamie interrupts and says, What does he want? Tyrion then tells Jamie about a more important request from Danny, and which is presumably the whites. Yeah, um, it's all very underwhelming. It, very underwhelming for a reunion between these two. Right. It should have been built up a little bit bigger. Like I don't know. You know that would have been a perp- that would have been a better uh, discussion between Tyrion and Varys. Is Tyrion going? I don't know. He's probably still upset. He's probably not. You know, what is he going to say or how's he going to react? Because um, this meeting, I think, has more <laughs> emotional weight than, like I said, Danny burning some people that wanted to be burned alive. I don't understand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's also you know, there's the the show loses a lot of nuance of the book. Uh, in the book, I think they both are. Like out loud, they say that they would kill each other. Right. They had the opportunity, but in their internal monologues, they both wonder if they could actually do that or how they they kind of question their own feelings. That's that nuance is clearly lost on the show. Right, and it's part of uh, them whitewashing, I guess, Tyrion's 
uh, or Jamie's part in. So the reason why uh, Tyrion wants to kill Jamie is because Jamie was complicit in the rape yes. of his first wife, Tysha, when he was like 13. Uh, you know, he hates him for that. Um, and it makes sense for Jamie to hate Tyrion because, you know, after he freed him, he turned around and killed uh, their father. So that makes sense for Jamie to hate him. Uh, but Jamie knows that he didn't kill um, his, his son, Joffrey. Right. And, mm-hmm. and Tyrion did make a pretty persuasive case, to me at least, about how his dad was going to execute him, even though he knew he was innocent. And Jamie knows he's innocent, but still, Jamie was... Uh, the, the actor did a good job of acting uh, overwhelmed with emotion, but still, Jamie seems to be very passive in everything he does. No Doug rant. I'm not going to go off about the lack of um, redemption arc. I'm going to go more of the fact that Jamie is just a very passive, reactive person uh, instead of taking any initiative. Um, uh, for the most part, I don't know. I, I just don't. I, I'm bored by the Jamie character. Yeah, because. Well, you know what? I was about to go down a Doug Rant path, but go yeah, for it. if he does, if he doesn't have that um, that turn where he goes from being evil or evilish to being good or goodish, then it it really loses just all the nuance of the character. Instead, he's just a bad guy, which is like completely anti George Martin, kind of what he wants to do with these things. Right, and I was thinking about it today. I was like, uh, the show has gone into the story about him. Killing the Mad King, the reason he got the term Kingslayer was because he killed the Mad King, but he was doing it to save people's lives because the Mad King was going to set fire to the whole city, just like what what Cersei did. And he's okay with Cersei now, which doesn't make sense. Um, But, uh, you know, they I guess the show has gone a little bit to show that Jamie's not a complete piece of shit, but... Jamie's definitely not trying to become a better person, which he definitely is trying to do in the books. Um, yes. So he's just a more likable, more conflicted, more interesting character. Uh, I don't know what's happening to Jamie here, but I, like I said, it's just boring. And throughout the show, we've assumed that he was going to make the turn at some point, but it just keeps getting further and farther right. along. Where it doesn't seem like he's going to make the turn at this point. And if he does, it'll kind of be out of nowhere. Or it won't, you know, it won't have as much meaning. It, it won't be yeah. like a freight train. It'll be more like a, you know, stop on a dime and turn. Yeah, and there's been so many moments where it appears like he might actually be turning, only to have the hopes dashed the the the, the next week. I mean, it just. It's ridiculous. And the guys, D&D have to know that they are losing that nuance. I mean, this is it's a big deal in the book, so I don't understand where their heads are on this thing. Guys, if you want to hear Doug rant, just go ahead and rewind. I don't know, go back about 10 episodes or so, and you'll hear plenty of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't like the character. Another thing, this is just all too easy, all too convenient to be able to like set up this meeting, and they're meeting, and it's happening. Um. You know, they're at war. Davos, you know, was a smuggler, so I guess he knows where to, like, dock his boat, but it's just very... It's just too convenient. It's Like, all this shit is just too convenient, and you just have to shut off your head and say, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that was part of my beef with this episode. Uh, it just keeps getting further and further. I mean, I, 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 I understand what they have to do in this short amount of time, but... It just it's killing my suspension of disbelief on some of this stuff. I mean, I spent a lot more time on this episode going, really? Right. Or are you serious? And then actually just enjoying it. So I don't know. And, and in case why, you were wondering, Sam Shoe, we're back. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> yeah, uh, we we guys don't have uh, guys. We don't have a lot of fan in- interaction, but yeah, you can go to ashamedofthrones.com and leave comments. Only one or two people actually do it, and one person consistently. Sam Shu, he actually had a criticism saying that we weren't being uh, hard enough on the episode, <laughs> on these episodes, which is crazy. Uh, I I will say I have liked these episodes, uh, but there's still plenty to complain about. I mean, I don't know. Um, so I'll well, try. Right, yeah. I'll try to. So I, I, Go ahead. I'm just saying I'll try to up the uh, complaints up 50% um, going forward. Well, if they keep putting out episodes like this, I don't think it'll be a problem. Ayo. Okay, okay, so Davos wanders around King's Landing and wanders into a smith shop, and he finds oh, Gendry. Mm. And we can't wait <laughs> 10 seconds before making a horrible meta joke about, I expected you to be still rowing. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck this show. Anyway, Gendry is there, and he says, "Ah, you know what? The safest place for me was right under the queen's nose, which makes no fucking sense at all because the queen wanted to kill him because he, she's a, she sees him as a threat to uh her children, which I guess she doesn't have that threat anymore. She's just kind of queen by decree and by conquer conquest because she's willing to blow up a church. Anyway." Davos prepares a big long speech to try to convince him to come with him, but uh, you know Gendry's like, "Fuck it, I'm ready to go." He cuts him off, and he says something ridiculous like, "I've been waiting for a long time to do something, and I just didn't know what that was, but now that you're here, let's go do it." I got my bags packed. Here we go. Got my bag, and let's go. Let me just. Uh, and then Davos like, "Don't you want one of these swords?" And he's like, "No, I'm better at uh, using this thing." And he pulls out a ridiculous Lord of the Rings type of geometrically shaped uh, warhammer that just looks absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and he's ready to go. Let's stop there. I know I got more to do, but let's just stop there. Just the ultimate fan service here. I mean, they, they're quoting what like everybody who's ever made a joke about Game of Thrones. He's still rowing. Awful. Um, I did. I did like the Warhammer. I thought that thing looked badass. I know you're you're mocking it, but of course the significance of the Warhammer is that uh, his father Robert Baratheon was a renowned Warhammersman instead of using the sword. So um, that's fine. That, I just I just yeah. thought it was weird looking because it had like geometrically shaped, like it was like a gem, like you know those like ring pops. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so kids who don't know what ring pops are, you guys, uh, when we were uh, small children, there would be these uh, popsicles in the shape of a big, giant, like, fake diamond, and it would be purple. Lollipop, yeah, basically lollipop. But it would be on a plastic ring, and you wore it on your finger, and then you would suck on the lollipop from your finger. That's kind of what the head of this uh, uh, Warhammer looked like. Um, So it just looked a little crazy. Um that's fine. Whatever. It's just a little thing. Uh, a lot of ridiculousness. Why focus on the hammer? I guess that's fine. But yeah, this is just all fan service. Like, yay, Genji's back. And guess what? He's DTF. <laughs> he wants to go. Yeah. I did like his attitude. Although the lines were kind of cheesy, I did like the attitude. So, uh, Like <laughs> I said, this to... whole thing is mitigated by how charming the situation is. Uh, yeah. You know, Davos is always good. Uh, and yeah. Gendry's yeah. like... He... Mm-hmm. Gendry's just ready to go, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. So yeah. I'm okay with it, I guess. <laughs> if only he did like a half-baked quit his job. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck <laughs> that you. That would be pretty great. <laughs> half-baked was a movie about marijuana from the early 90s. Guys, look it up. Anyway, uh, so they go back to the shoreline, Davos and Gendry, uh, while they're getting into the boat, run into some city guards that just happen to be patrolling 
in the middle of nowhere <laughs> on this uh, vacant uh, beach. Uh, Gendry is tense, but Davos uh, knows what to do, being an old smuggler. He uh, starts to bribe them, uh, you know, and he gets fleeced for th- six times what he would normally pay. But anyway, they seem happy with the bribe, and they start to leave. But then they ask about what's in the boat uh, after they're paid, and I guess just being a little bit too greedy. And they hedge towards the boat where Gendry's waiting with the Warhammer, and there's more fake tension. Uh, but guess what? Davos, in some kind of ultra-clever move, has loaded the boat up with fermented crab. Uh, that he claims is that aphrodisiac. I have no idea when he decided to do this. I don't know if they came aboard with the crab or Davos is like, uh, before I see Gendry, let me load up the um, boat with some fake shipment uh, in case we're caught. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, Davos jokes with the men about how uh, uh, how strong their boners are going to be, and they seem content and they leave joking. Uh, but then uh, comes the dwarf, Tyrion, walking by, fucking everything up. The the uh, guards are instantly suspicious, and Davos tries to bribe them again. And as their backs are turned and they say, well, you can't match the queen's price because I guess Cersei's going to pay uh, a lordship for Tyrion's head, Gendry uh, decides to sneak up on them with a big old hammer and bashes them in the head. Uh, Gendry is then introduced to Tyrion, and Tyrion's like, I guess he'll do. And they GTFO. Yeah, I like Davos running interference with those guys initially. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Me too. Although it didn't didn't really contribute to the show, but at least it was entertaining. Uh, the fermented crab, of course, discussing, and I Googled whether that was actually a thing, and apparently it is a thing in South Korea. Oh, which what is, is it a aphrodisiac yet, though, or is it just a food? Uh, it's they marinate fresh raw crabs in soy sauce or chili pepper powder. Uh, which is, I, I don't know if it's an aphrodisiac. I just remember reading that, which is just disgusting to me. Um, I mean, fer- <laughs> fermented anything is going to have a stink to it, but then you add the crab, which normally has a oh, yeah. disgusting uh, smell. I like crab, but it doesn't smell good at all. No, no, especially if it's been let to ferment for several days. Or just out in a boat, like, let's say, for two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conservatively. Yes. Um. Tyrion, I don't know why he wasn't being more careful. I mean, geez, just he just like stumbles upon those people when his life's in danger. Um, he could have hid yeah. behind. Or yeah, the, he's walking yeah. down the stairs. Doesn't he see them? Can't he just turn I, I around mean, I and just, go, "Hey, wait they, a minute, let me just." I forgot something. Yeah, just scamper away. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess he's he's uh, probably <laughs> scamper away like he's a like a leprechaun, a little skedaddle. Um, he's he's probably emotionally overwhelmed by the meeting with Jamie, but still. Uh, it just seemed like it's kind of silly. Uh, even though I, d- I did kind of like the scene, I like the uh, seeing Gendry wield the war- Warhammer. That was pretty awesome looking. But yeah, um, they have to they have to set him up as being somebody worthy of being in the badass hurting crew that they're setting up at the end of the episode. But we'll get to that. Yeah, which I mean, where would he have gotten any battle training whatsoever? I mean, he's a smith. It's a big I, dumb hammer. You hit people in the head. I could do that, especially when they're not looking. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But I think they try to make him look really badass. Yeah, he kind I'm, of like shifted yeah. his weight pretty quickly. But uh. mm-hmm. yeah, so I uh, I mean, this was a, ultimately a fun scene, but um, just another scene where it didn't really contribute toward um, anything of substance. Really, I agree. I was like, hey, this is kind of fun and it makes no sense. I, I guess it's OK. Yeah, that's about it. All right. So 
All right, next, Jamie goes to see Cersei, who was speaking to Kyburn. Uh, there's apparently some tension between Jamie and Cersei, which I, I don't think we've remarked on this, but Cersei vacillating between annoyed and intense all the time versus wanting to bone down with Jamie. Uh, it's also a weird shift, constant uh, tone and uh, shift in tone throughout these last few episodes. Jamie tells Cersei about his meeting with Tyrion and uh, Tyrion's proposal for armistice with the uh, to deal with the dead. Cersei then asks about punishing Bronn for the betrayal. Cersei apparently already knew of the meeting prior to it happening. Or actually, while well, it happened, I guess. Uh, Cersei then uh, apparently wants to trick Danny. Seems like we might have a red, red wedding redux. She then drops the uh, pregnancy bomb and she doesn't care, tells Jamie she doesn't care who knows it's their baby. They then kiss and hug tenderly. And then says something odd about not betraying her again, which I, I, is that about the meeting with uh, Tyr- between Tyrion and Jamie? I guess uh, it's just something I say to dates uh, at the end of the night after I get a kiss, and I say, "Don't you ever betray me?" Yeah, yeah. I don't. I just don't. I mean, I've said that to my wife so many times. <laughs> yep. Um, but I don't understand. I really don't. Yeah. Understand. What is the portrayal? Is it is it meeting with Tyrion? I, I'm guessing that has to be it, right? But it's the but J- Jamie was not responsible for that, right? Bronn set it up, and Cersei knows that. Yeah, and then, but see, this is another like uh, another problem I have with this episode is there's so many leaps between things that happen like we missed this could have been four or five steps to this actually happening like who communicated with braun how did all this happen and so that's what's shitty about them cutting this thing short in terms of episodes is there are some really interesting things happening behind the scenes and instead we get these scenes where we kind of feel like we're cheated and they just happen and that's it so i i wish there was more to it I, I agree with you and uh i guess i found out something that i i didn't know i, I don't know if you knew it but these last two seasons, the the major characters being like Peter Dinklage, uh, Danny, Jon Snow, Cersei, and Jamie, all worked out this mega deal where they get like something like over a million dollars an episode, like Seinfeld money. Jeez. So you know what? Uh, I was thinking about it. Just recast, let's say Jamie, and then make a <laughs> make like a couple more episodes. I I know a million dollars. It's probably more than a million dollars to make one episode. But at the same time, I mean, I talk a lot of shit about these showrunners, but I think they can put together a, a decent, a decent couple more episodes. Like we're getting cheated uh, and all this rushing about, where I think they can flesh this stuff out. Like it wouldn't be terrific or anything, but I, I yeah, want I think more. though that D and D actually wanted to uh, exit the show. Yeah, to they want to get out. something. Yeah, let's more, go. Uh, let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's the best thing you've ever done in your life. The one thing you're going to be remembered for. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, I, I, yeah. also this. So this pregnancy thing. Yeah. Do you think it's real or fake? Uh, I think it's real uh, because it's it's a confirmed fan theory. So this is a fan theory that's been in the books for a while because I think it's in um, Feast for Crows, book four. There's a couple of things that are hinted at. One primarily that I remember is Cersei's getting fitted for a dress or putting yeah. her dress on and the, the servants are like, it's too tight. And you're led to believe either two things. She's just getting fat and old, which is definitely possible. She's drinking like a maniac. Or, because uh, I think it's around her waist. 
or she's pregnant. So they've hinted at it in the books, and I, I'm taking this as a confirmation of something that definitely is going to happen in the books. Spoiler alert. But doesn't this run contrary to the Valencar prophecy? Only if she has the baby. I don't think she's going to live long enough to deliver this kid. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess that'd be the explanation. Which, you know, then that would make, uh, if Jamie did turn around and kill her, it'd make it even oh, more tragic. More fucked up. Yeah, that's just <laughs> yeah, terrible. Geez. Yeah. Uh, is it just me, or <laughs> I was kind of happy for Cersei and Jamie at the, in this moment. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, definitely, I did not join you in that sentiment. But. Uh, and then I remember that I guess they're brother and sister, but still, I was just like, you know, it's the fourth time. I mean, you, if you're going to be shocked now, I mean, what's the point? They've already done this three times. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me see. Is there anything else I wanted to say about this? Uh... I did think there was a possibility that she was fabricating this because yeah. this would be if she is being as manipulative as she appears to be at this point, this would be like her trump card. So where now she sees that Jamie might be sympathizing with Tyrion or uh, maybe uh, considering treating with the other side, at least for the uh, for not even necessarily for the purposes of the, the battle between the two armies. But this would be a way for her to get Jamie back on her side. because. Yeah. You know, it's the ultimate trump card, I think, in this relationship. Yeah, Cersei's, uh, once it's Jamie thinking he's going to pull away, and now he's all in again. Uh, yeah. Which is annoying. Like, so if he's going to yes. betray her, all this back, there's no, like, constant movement like we've talked about. It's just uh, back and forth, back and forth, not really committing. Um, but, like, Cersei seems on board with a ceasefire, which is crazy. So, like, would there be an armistice? Would it be just like, okay, we're going to cease and regroup? Uh, we're gonna take the year off or the winter off. Would that free up Danny to help out John? Probably not, because that would uh, decrease the drama of what John's doing up north. So I don't know the ramifications of what's going on. Uh, going but I forward. think she's—I think she's only interested in the uh, in the peace treaty, the temporary peace treaty, so that she can betray the, uh, Danny's army. Oh, I 100 percent agree. But the yeah, fact okay. that she's willing to engage in that. Uh, means that she's going to stop hostilities for a certain period of time, maybe not the agreed upon period of time, but a certain period of time nonetheless. I mean, it might just be long enough to have them over for dinner, then poison them all. I, I don't <laughs> think they're going to do a, like, if they meet in person, I don't know. I, I could see the show doing that, but uh, seems a little crazy, a little far-fetched. Sure. Oh, shit. You know, uh, there's also, um, Arya has uh, Cersei on the list, obviously, people to kill that would be fucked up if Arya kills a pregnant mother yeah i guess i mean the phrase did it so Arya's probably like yeah the phrase can do it i can do it yeah i guess well no i don't think that Arya is as uh ruthless as the phrase were but anyways yeah, she killed a whole bunch of people there so they all deserved it <clears throat> yep all of them and then she also freed the uh women yeah the serving people i don't know if any of those people were like in the one wife uh, I don't know if there was, you would think, I don't know, who cares? His wife. Uh, there was one, there was another callback about, you know, the lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of yes. the sheep. Another, oh, whenever they can, uh, I'm kind of getting sick of it. I told you in the beginning, I was just like, okay, this is a good move by Dan and Dave. Uh, just do callbacks to the source material or from stuff that you already know as a hint, especially if you don't feel confident for, with what you're doing. And I was totally on board, but I remember how it started to get a little bit shaky with, um, um, 
you know, the Arya thing where she talks to her wolf and says, that's not you. And yeah. they're like, oh, this is definitely an obvious uh, callback to something in season one. And everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? <sighs> and this happens again with uh, in the next scene with Tyrion um, giving Jorah the coin. Do you remember that coin? Yes, I do. Okay, well, then you're a better man than I. Okay, way to ruin it. You're no supposed question. to just play along. <clears throat> anyway, let's move on. Oh, it's me, isn't it? Yes, it is. Damn it. Okay, uh, Davos and Gendry are back at Dragonstone, so that didn't take long. Uh, and they're on their way to see Jon uh, right before everybody heads out for the big northern adventure. Davos is coaching up Gendry, talking about how uh, he should just keep his mouth shut, tell him who he is, Cleos or something, like Cleos Frey from the books. Um, says he just needs a job at Winterfell as a smith, and he'll be on his way. Uh, so they go to see John, and Gendry immediately fucks everything up by telling John exactly who he is and how he's the bastard son of Robert Baratheon. They chit chat about their dads and instantly fall into the camaraderie that their dads had, quote unquote, uh, John's dad. Uh, they're both bastards, and they're getting along like Robert and Ned was another, I feel like, a loose callback to season one when uh, uh, Ned and uh, Robert were getting along all chummy. Uh, Gendry says he, uh, knows what they're up against and they're going to go fight zombies and he wants in, uh, which is crazy. Later on the beach, Tyrion is saying goodbye to Jorah, says he's going to miss him, brings up a coin that, uh, I don't remember the significance of, but you obviously do. Uh, mm-hmm. John and Danny say goodbye and there's definitely some reluctance and tension there. Um. Sexual tension. Yeah. As in penis and vagina. The ultimate. <laughs> The ultimate. Anyway, there is some swelling orchestral music, and a lot of looks are exchanged between the characters, as if this is some kind of momentous occasion. And I feel I felt like this fell flat a little bit, just like leaving. Yeah, I, th- I thought so too. And then the uh, the scene between John and, uh, and Gendry was kind of ridiculous as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, uh, it was like stepbrothers. Did we just become best friends? Yes. Yeah. So. Um, uh, that that whole thing was kind of silly. What is interesting here, though, is uh, there's a large degree of irony because they think that they are Baratheon and Stark, and they fought. You know, the Baratheon, Robert Baratheon, and Ned Stark obviously fought together, which would be some kind of link between the two, the two of them. But in reality, John's a Targaryen, and his forefathers actually fought against Robert Baratheon. Yeah, Robert the, Baratheon actually killed yeah. John's dad. Exactly. So. Despite them thinking that they're best friends because their dads were best friends, there is actually they are enemies um, according to the history of the show. But at the same time, so, you know, uh, Ned probably had more influence in raising him, so he is kind of Ned's son too. Yeah, yep. So I did. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to think. What did you think about Gendry and John's uh, just broed out immediately? Once again, I, I said, "Hey, brain, take a back seat. We're having fun." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did like uh, I did like how Gendry is. He refused to go along with uh, Davos' plan to hide who he is. It just right away get it to just the makes truth. him charming. He makes he makes him likable yeah. to the to the audience. It kind of yeah, it kind of is. So uh, and Gendry, he looks strikingly like Christian Bale. Uh yeah, you're right. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He just needs a little lisp or overbite, and uh, yeah, and then like just whenever he's battle. I'm doing the battle. My parents are dead. Actually, and, they, and they are. Mine sounded more like uh, Billy Bob Thornton from, uh, from Sling Get Blade. Get French fried taters. 
Guys, Slink Blade was a movie from the, I don't know, mid to late 90s. Uh, it's about a gentleman who has some learning disability. Uh, anyway, go check it out. It's good stuff. Yeah, pretty uh, good. Other than that, uh, yeah, this whole thing, I feel like they built this up to be like a big, momentous occasion. But like you said, I feel like Jamie meeting Tyrion was more momentous than... Uh, we all knew John was going to leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like th- Danny and John have boned down yet, so I'm not really that upset that he's leaving her. Uh, Jorah no. and, and Tyrion, this is the first time they've interacted. Maybe mm-hmm. if they had a scene earlier... I don't know. How is Tyrion going to miss Jorah when he hasn't seen him for years or whatever it's been? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I wonder if the whole uh, inclusion of Gendry was uh, organic or whether it's it stemmed from the uh, the fans loving Gendry as a character. Well, it's weird because in the books, uh, Gendry has mixed with this other character called Edric Storm, who is another one of Robert Baratheon's bastards. And Robert actually has like three bastards that we know about. He has another girl bastard who's in the Vale, uh, riding donkeys up and down to the uh, Eyrie and back. Uh, so I-, I don't know what the book's going to do with Gendry or any of the other bastards. Uh, you know, it's just more, the only thing you could say is it's just more potential for confusion with the Iron Throne plot, which I feel like we've gone past, right? Yeah, I think so. Because that's all, that's all the significance of Gendry is a claimant to the throne. He has the best claim on the, um, Iron Throne if you believe that Baratheons, uh, should inherit the throne. Because that's who the last king was. I don't know. Who cares? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so next we go to Sam. He's studying while Gilly prattles on. She's reading a maester's journal and then drops a bomb that uh, a maester annulled a marriage with someone named Ragar. Sam, not realizing the importance of her word, snaps and yells at her. He's tired of not being able to do anything, so he breaks into the library and steals a bunch of materials while looking around wistfully. He then packs up his broke-ass family and commits Grand Theft Buggy. Uh, right before departing, Gilly asks if he is sure if he wants to do this. Um, she refer- He then refers to the line from his dad. He's tired of reading about the achievements of better men, and they take off. Yeah. Um, your dad was burned alive, so maybe don't take <laughs> advice from him. Uh, but yeah, does does Sam even know that his dad and brother are dead? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Definitely hasn't been revealed on the screen, so I don't know why we would be led to think it was true or he knew yeah so let's get to it this huge revelation not huge but just more implications that john's father ragar it reminds me of uh there's a podcast called last house on or last podcast on the left and there's a guy on there whenever they mention ronald reagan he calls him ronald Reagan. uh Reagan. i don't know he he mispronounces it he's like that's just the way i pronounce it no big deal but it's a big deal like ragar come on Anyway, so ra- uh, this guy, Maester Maynard, like I guess from Tool, he annulled a marriage by, from a prince called Ragar and performed a marriage in secret. Well, guess what, Maynard? If it's secret, don't maybe don't write it down. Yeah. But uh, this is John's dad. So not only did John, it's John's dad's Ragar. But John was not an illegitimate bastard of Rhaegar. He was the legitimate son by marriage between Lyanna, his mother, uh, Ned Stark's sister, and Rhaegar, who is 
the Mad King's son slash Danny Targaryen's brother, older brother. So this means that John is the rightful king of the Seven Kingdoms, right? Yeah, he's uh, as the male, he has a stronger claim. Uh, but it also means that I think that means that Danny is his aunt at this point. Yeah, we've already known he was going to be the he was going to be his aunt, whether th- the marriage happened or or not. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're right about that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's his aunt, so might as well get married, I guess. I guess. Why not do it? Why not fuck your aunt? <laughs> I'm the king. God. Disgusting. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Now, this was frustrating. I, again, um, this is a, a big, important piece of the news. I guess it's only for the purposes of informing the audience. The audience, yeah. Suspicions are correct, but um, Sam, instead of listening to Gilly, he has to mansplain about what's important and what's not. I mean, it's... It's all just uh, this. This again, another it's frustrating. Where, it's frustrating. Yes, it wasn't fun. Uh, it's annoying. Sam's um, been wasting his time once again. What yeah. has Sam discovered? Sam discovered the confirmation of what fucking Stannis said to John in season four or five or whatever it was. He said, "Oh yeah, Dragonglass. We got plenty of this stuff on Dragonstone." And then, yes. and then Sam finds out confirmation of this shit that we already knew. Great, you wasted everybody's time. This Which why, John John kind of knew of and executed independently of Sam. Uh, no, he he was confirmation. That was one of the reasons he went to Dragonstone. Was because Sam told John about the dragon. Yeah, glass? he sent a raven. Oh, okay, I don't recall. Remember that. the mountain okay. of dragon glass? Oh yeah, okay, and remember we had the conversation where in season five, uh, John's like, "We would need a mountain of this stuff in order to make a difference." Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's a mountain, buddy. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, it just... It makes the the maesters seem like bumbling idiots and they're of no use at all, which it doesn't make me conflicted. See, once again, it's about conflict. There should be some good things about the maesters and some bad things. Now the maesters don't know how to uh, cure grayscale. They're just willing to let people die. They don't believe Sam at all. Uh, they're not willing to do anything. They're, Sam didn't learn anything by being there. It's just a fucking waste. Like, so these people just totally suck. There's no conflict. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, and once again, I, I mentioned the anti-intellectualism that uh, we don't need any more of. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just... So Sam's going to what? Go back to the wall? With I, the that's few what scrolls he stole? Happening. Yeah, it's also hilarious how... Sam just likes to steal stuff at night when nobody's looking. <laughs> yeah, that's his bravery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a great man because he's really to steal stuff when you're sleeping. <laughs> I'm sick of reading about the uh, deeds of better men. I want to start stealing shit in the middle of the night. <laughs> I want to steal things about deeds of better men. <laughs> and then what, what, what scrolls is he stealing? He's just like, ah, this probably has some valuable information, maybe. Mm. I, yeah, what the hell? I mean, may, I, I guess we're supposed to presume that he knows the place in and out because he's been doing whatever the fuck he's been doing. But it hasn't been there that long or had access to the secret area. And it's not like, I don't think they have a Dewey Decimal System or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, th- so. it would take them maybe a decade before the, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Where's this scroll? Especially because all of the ones that uh, would be important to him would be apparently things that have been ignored by the maesters for quite a while right. because they're ignoring what he's been saying. It's just, it, it seems like a big fuck you, big waste of time. Like, yeah. uh, once again, uh, 
there's there's ways to make this better. There's ways to make it seem have us feel conflicted as an audience, but still yeah. ultimately think Sam's making the best decision by leaving. Now there's no conflict. Sam should get the fuck out of there because he's not doing anything. He's not learning anything. That Maester didn't give him homework uh, to transcribe very specific scrolls that he picked out as a reward. He just did it as a dumb punishment. Precisely. And that's that's what's really frustrating about this episode, too, is these details that you thought were going to be going to pay off or had some kind of interesting tie into the actual the show or the story. It's just they, they keep revealing that they didn't have any tie in. So I, I right. don't know what the hell you're, they're thinking. You're reading too much into it, audience. Yeah. Hey, you, you, you can't have any level of uh, depth or insightfulness or right. anything like that. Instead, uh, what's the dumbest version of this that we can possibly make? Right. Here you go. All right. What happens next? Uh, that's you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, back at Winterfell, uh, Littlefinger is meeting with a serving girl in private, and Arya looks on. It is clear that Littlefinger is up to no good. Uh, he's whispering, and um, he gives the girl some money, and she leaves. Uh, later, uh, Littlefinger is whispering with Jan Bronze Royce and that piece of fucking shit Glover. That son of a bitch didn't come to the goddamn battle. Then later still, uh, Littlefinger meets with uh, Maester Walcom who gives him a scroll saying it's the only copy uh, that they have in the castle. Uh, Arya's overlooking and a little finger goes in and then comes back out and locks his door. Arya comes by, uh, picks Littlefinger's room's uh, lock and searches for the scroll. She rummages around for way too long uh, and then notices that a corner of the bedsheet is ruffled and finds a hole in the mattress and at the same time, I want to talk about this later. As soon as she lifts up the mattress and finds this hole, we hear a raven call. Uh, and there was a raven call when we saw uh, Littlefinger uh, look at uh, Arya in last episode. Uh, I'll do more research on that. But anyway, just put a pin in that. Arya reads the scroll, and it turns out to be the letter that Cersei made Sansa write to her brother Rob, telling him to come to King's Landing and bend the knee to the rightful uh, heir uh, to the throne, Joffrey. Um, this was shortly after Ned was beheaded. Uh, why Littlefinger wanted this letter doesn't make a whole bunch of sense until we see Arya leave the room and lock back up after her, and Littlefinger is in the hallway uh, creepily watching from the shadows, and it is very clear that Arya is being played like a goddamn fiddle. <sighs> this is another thing I wasn't thrilled with. Um, just the, the level... I mean, I guess this is now Littlefinger has some sort of plan to create strife between Sansa and Arya. But the I mean, this really seems very manufactured. It doesn't seem organic at all whatsoever. And also, this stupid letter was three or four years ago. It'd be easily explained away by Sansa going, they'd made me do that. I'm a different person three or four years later. Just it's it just just seems like the fakest intrigue. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and here's the thing is uh, Littlefinger still. This isn't Littlefinger. They've they don't know how to write Littlefinger. This is the same plan he had before. His his old plan earlier this season was cause uh, a rift between John and Sansa. Now his new plan is cause a rift between Sansa and Arya. Uh, this is terrible. This is awful character assassination of Littlefinger. Yeah. This isn't. I mean, yes, this is clever that he's playing Arya, but to what end? 
So Arya is gonna uh, be mad at Sansa. What is there gonna be? There's not. Uh, you know, if if Arya does something crazy like kill Sansa, that'll be insane, and it'll no. it'll really make it's, me angry. I don't think so either. I think this is Littlefinger slow death. But they're just dragging out. Just get Littlefinger's death over with. There's no re- like Littlefinger is just played out. There's nothing. There's he's not doing anything. He's just spinning his wheels. Uh, I want him. I want him. I want him gone. I agree. I, he was one of the most intriguing characters in the beginning of the show, but I think his time is done. At well, this it's the point. same way with Varys. Like Varys isn't doing shit. Varys isn't intriguing. No. Varys doesn't have anything hidden up his sleeve anymore. These. It's just the showrunners not knowing how to write for these characters, and that's fine. And I also I don't like Varys. Is he's uh he used to be like this weird looking bald guy with uh, very pale, almost albino. Yeah, have you noticed how yeah. like tan he is? Like he's been in tan. He's yeah, like yeah, been GTA, in Barbados. Buddy. He's like I moved there. Yeah. It's the greatest decision mm-hmm. ever. Varys Walnuts or no, not Polly Polly uh, Polly D Very D. I don't know any of these things. Is this from um, Jersey Final? Shore? Oh, final Jesus. Anyways. Uh, yeah, anything else to say about this ridiculous situation? Oh, uh, I did yeah. want to uh, point out the the fact that they're, like, it's intentional. Because I noted it last week with, uh, like I said, Arya was fighting Brienne. They both looked up and uh, Arya made eye contact. I think it was that or Littlefinger was watching the uh, three Stark children y- unite. Uh, yes. the reunion and they cut to his face and you hear heard a uh, crow or raven caw and the fact that they did it again uh you know you can just say it's random foley but i don't believe that so uh i think i don't know what the connection is i don't know if bran is going to be the undoing of littlefinger which they've already kind of set up with bran saying the whole chaos is ladder thing because bran is a three-eyed raven right. uh but it just seems Odd, so I'm curious to see how this plays out. This is one of these things where I'm putting a pin in it. I know it means something, but I have no idea what it is. So hopefully, a pay yeah, off well, or I just they're like really going to pull something out of their asses to make this thing not stupid as shit. I, I so, don't think they can do it. I think it's stupid as yeah. shit already. Yeah. All right, let's take her home. All right. So next, uh, John and the gang arrive at East Watch by the Sea. Uh, I thought the the shots of East Watch by the Sea were really interesting. I'm glad we got to see that, but. Uh, the gang uh, meets Tormund and tells the plan to recruit the wildlings. Some uh, Tormund was spitting some uh, pretty good jokes in there. About uh, what was the one about the queen? Did we have the queen who uh, who fucks her brother, or the queen who has dragons, or what yeah, did he something say? like I, it was something along yeah. the line. I know what you mean. And he's like both. I have to convince yeah. them both. Pretty funny line. Tormund is very skeptical, and then says uh, that he uh, that. That some others wanted to... What the hell did I write here? I don't know what I wrote here. Okay, so... That's fine. Uh, yeah, Make it up. Uh, <laughs> so... So... Uh, so oh, oh, here we go. Tormund uh, says that some others wanted to go beyond the wall as well. So then uh, Tormund takes them down to the jail and finds uh, a bunch of uh, old friends down there. Apparently the scouts find them a mile south of the wall. So it's not entirely clear why they're in the jail. Uh, I would recommend they file a writ of habeas corpus. Uh, and John recognizes the hound. Beric speaks up and says that they have to go north of the wall. Doesn't really say why. And then suddenly it's just a scene where everybody begins recognizing everyone. Uh, Beric eventually begins to give a rousing speech about going north of the wall when the hound interrupts to cut to the chase. 
John realizes that everyone is on the same side, and we kind of begins to open up the uh, the jail cell, and then we cut to the the door to the wall opening, and this motley crew departing from King uh, from East Watch by the Sea, and that is the first act of the Magnificent Seven, or if you're in Japan, Seven Samurai. I agree. This is the Wild Bunch. This is uh, the Dirty Dozen. This is the Magnificent yep. Seven. This is. And you know what? I'm okay with it because I like the idea of these people from different backgrounds coming together. I'm once again, go ahead, take a vacation brain because we just want to see this crazy bullshit. We want to see a collection of random badasses who have every reason to hate each other band together to take on a common enemy. I don't know if it's going to pay off. Probably not, but, uh, I'm on board. Does that make sense? I guess. I mean, God, we talked about it earlier. What even is the plan? I, there's no iteration of this plan that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, and just like the, the coincidences, a pile upon coincidences. And I, I want to like this, but I'm having a lot of trouble suspending disbelief in this crew uniting together. And this seems, just seems like the, the fan service beyond fan service. Hey, what would be the coolest thing that we could do? Have all of these fan favorites meet up together i mean, I mean shit gendry uh, so was introduced much. traveled from king's landing to dragonstone then again from dragonstone to the wall uh and as part of this hurting crew within like 20 minutes 30 minutes yeah it's 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 kind of too much it, a little bit I, and you know if, if they had done gosh doug if they had spaced it out had been a few more episodes of explaining how all this went down I think it could work, but the problem is that they digested it just down to th- like these twenty minutes, like you mentioned. It's 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 too much for me. Yeah, and it's it's just crazy. Once again, uh, eight episodes left, guys. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, well, is it eight? Uh, yeah, it's six yeah, yeah, yeah. next season mm-hmm. and two left in this season. So God, the only two crazy. episodes left for this fucking season, guys. We're coming to the penultimate, which normally in a ten. Uh, season or 10 episode season the second to last episode would be king shit of fuck mountain um as far as consequences or a battle or something i don't know if we're gonna get that this season i feel like they gave us a mini climax last episode and i feel like we're gonna get a climactic last episode so i feel like they're like next episode's gonna be fun and action-packed but i really feel like the last episode's gonna have most of the fireworks. That's just my feeling. I have no basis for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so, so in, in general for this episode, I'm, a, I was a little disappointed with it in general, a lot of suspension of disbelief issues, but also, you know, we were promised a hard home every episode. This, uh, this was definitely much more, in fact, one of the ultimate table setting episodes, I think. Right. It definitely was, uh, but I, I mm-hmm. saw that coming last week. Remember I said that I said, yeah. they blew their wad this week. So I feel like, they're gonna have to collect and set up the set up the board again so they can knock all the pieces apart. Um, I feel that's what they did. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm kind of reserving judgment on this one because if it does go nuts next week, then that'll be fine. And you know, and generally, I think I actually I know that I've said many times I enjoy the spectacle more. A lot of the times, as opposed to the intrigue, the, sh- the books are so much better that the intrigue it's it's really lost on the show. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was disappointed, though, in this one. Like I said, uh, I think the further away we get from the books and the less 
uh, just casual rape and torture that, that the show has been lacking pleasantly has made me like the series more and more because once again, it's just like it's playing with paper dolls. It's fan fiction. It's yeah. It's kind of just a fun ride, and I'm not too worried about this spoiling the books because even if some of these highlights and plot points uh, are ruined for me, quote unquote, um, I don't care. I feel like I'm going to enjoy the shit out of the books if and when they ever come out, which obviously... I, that's the real problem is I don't think the books at this point may never yeah, come out. I feel like so everybody's might be the very depressed. Version. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll release like a, or his post. I don't think he's supposed to like. He, supposedly, he doesn't want anyone to finish the books for him, which yeah. is terrible. So maybe they release an outline or something. Guess but, what? He's gonna have. You know what? He can yeah. say that, but his entire like estate will go to a person, and that person can probably very easily undermine his uh, death wishes because you know what? He won't be there to defend himself. Yeah, maybe he. They should put the uh, the books in the hands of that one dude who writes all those YouTube books. Or not YouTube. Uh, YouTube books. The Amazon books were. <laughs> what are you talking about? YouTube. Oh, that guy. I forget his name now. Um, Dick Trickle or something like that. Dick Trickle sounds about right. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, come back to us next episode with uh, okay. that. Okay, uh, I will. But anyway, we have to give. Uh, I'm not going to let you get away with that bullshit uh, as far as seeing what happens next episode. Um, we have to rate this. Uh, you can do sandwiches. I'm going to do, uh, uh, you know, my standard, uh, 10 point scale on a five up to 5.5 increments. Uh, and I was coming in pretty high on this episode. Like I said, I enjoyed it, but I, I know the problems that were there and I was just trying to turn off my brain, but still breaking it all down, uh, upon closer inspection, uh, it just doesn't make. It's just too many leaps in logic. I'm gonna have to bust this down to a a three. I I, I was gonna go with uh, oh, damn it, I don't know what I want to say. Uh, how about Campbell's soup jambalaya? Jambalaya? Uh, I've never yeah. had it. I like jambalaya in general. Never had the uh, Campbell's soup version. It's a you know two and a half stars. Okay. Uh, it, it, <laughs> there we go. Thank you. It's food. I don't know. It's not good. So, so middle of the road, and I think that's appropriate too. So three and two point five that averages out to I'm gonna say three because we can't do uh, two point seven five, um, and we round up. So that's pretty good. But it, it is, it's frustrating because it had so much potential, but there was so many frustrating scenes and pointless scenes and no action like they promised. So I mean, it's two point five because it's still Game of Thrones and it's still entertaining, but uh, th- it was disappointing. I don't know how you can say this was a disappointing two and a half stars. Like it's it, it's difficult to to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but I think it's once again in context. Are we putting it in context of the entire series or with uh, in the context of the past couple episodes, which I felt have been pretty good? Um, but this episode has been, like I said, I enjoyed it, but it was baffling. Yeah. Lots of lots of weird, and once again, these these aren't big problems. Like. You can you can solve these problems with just by acknowledging them. Now, step one, yeah. You know, if you're an alcoholic, admit it. If you don't, if you're going to make these things ridiculous and and say, "Hey, come along with me," just at least acknowledge it's a problem and try to address it. I feel like they aren't even trying to address these huge problems that are uh, making me turn off my brain. And once again, it started off bad foot. Jamie and Braun, uh, you know, it's hilarious. So I got to acknowledge this. Uh, I told you, I listen to other Game of Thrones podcasts. 
and and the depth that these people go into about like Jamie was wearing full plate armor and full plate armor in water. They I've actually uh, researched it and uh, you know you can't swim more than like ten feet in, in full plate armor. So it, Jamie's gonna have to take off all his armor in order to survive, and or Jamie or Bron's gonna have to help him. No, guess what? He just survives. He just pops back up. Uh, like I said, several yards away, hundreds of yards away, a mile. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Stop asking questions, dummy, and just enjoy the tits and dragons. All right. So that's a good place to end it. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's not a sophisticated show. It's not a, a bright show, but um, it's yeah, kind of fun. I agree. Our show sucks. No, oh, our they- show's great. <laughs> All right. all right guys we'll be back for more next week um and once again two more episodes and then i don't know what uh doug and brian are i gonna do with uh our uh, monday nights so uh probably nothing probably taking a vacation stop ignoring our families yep all right guys thank you very much and we will see you next tuesday say bye brian bye